Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So before we describe the mighty acts of God that we witnessed in El Salvador, I'd like to share some thoughts on the state of evangelism in the United States. In an article from the Christian Post entitled, Churchgoers Say Sharing Faith Essential, Many Never Do. (laughs) Did you catch that? Churchgoers say sharing faith essential, many never do. A majority of churchgoers in the U.S. believe it's essential to share their faith with non-believers, but a large number of those are not doing so. According to a recent study of American Protestants conducted by Lifeway Research, the study found that 80% of those who attend church on a regular basis believe they have a personal responsibility to share their faith, but 61% have not told another person about Jesus in the previous six months. Now, if that is the state of evangelism in our country today, why do people still heed the call of God and make disciples of all nations? Why do people still go on mission trips if evangelism is such a low temperature in the states? I want to see if I can just answer that question in about 10 minutes here. Um, The article went on to say, if you're going to be intentional about sharing your faith, praying for others is a great way to start. We often acknowledge the importance of prayer in people coming to faith in Christ, but we also found it has an impact on the person praying as well. Prayer changes people. The people you pray for and the people who are doing the praying. So if you sense that your personal evangelism is at sort of a low point, you might just begin to pray for your extended family Uh, for your neighbors, your classmates, your co-workers, and ask God to warm up your heart toward those people. Because many times when you talk to God about people, God then gives you the ability to talk to people about God. That's step one. Uh, I might add that choosing faith over fear is also helpful in following the call of God. Choosing faith over fear. Because let's face it, A lot of us have fear about sharing Christ with other people. Whether it's next door or around the world, there's a little bit of scary involved in that. But our faith in the God we just worshiped and sang to is so much greater than our fears that it can overcome, but we have to choose to exercise faith. Uh, I like the verse from Hebrews 11.8. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. I love that. God said to Abram at the time, I'm going to start a new group of people through you, 
And by the way, you're going to have to move. There's a place I want to take you to. And you'll just have to trust me one step at a time. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't have to see the end result, the big picture, each, each step along the way. Faith just has to, like a small child, putting their hand up in the hand of their, their parent. They have faith that parent is going to lead them on a wonderful journey. And God will lead you on a wonderful journey. Uh, we were talking in our city group this morning that in the book of Acts, it talks about how the, the church that had just started in Jerusalem, 3,000 people were saved. And it said that they were in a state of awe and wonder. Wonder and awe shows up when we let go of our independence and become totally dependent upon God, totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit to take us on the journeys of life that God has for us. God shows up, and when God shows up, awe shows up, wonder shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up, and it's a great way to live. Faith will overcome fear. So we have prayer. Prayer is one way that a, uh, a kind of a cool group of people in the church in terms of evangelism, how that can rev up your uh, ability and your passion to share your faith, and then exercising faith and trusting God that when you go in his name, prayed up, prepared up, and then just speak that God is going to speak through you. And remember this too. It's not just our words that share Christ. The gospel is not only proclaimed, the gospel is also demonstrated. And that's what I love about the, the trip to El Salvador, is in a very big way, we're not only proclaiming the gospel, but we're demonstrating the gospel. And when those two things come together under the, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, things happen. People's lives get changed. And this is why several of you keep going back year after year after year. And by the way, I'm hoping as a result of this morning that several people in this room right now will want to go to El Salvador next year. But I'm even praying that even before that, that you'll want to go to your neighbor or your coworker or your classmate or an extended family member that you're not quite getting along, but you know you need to share God's love with. That's what I'm praying for as well. So I'm going to give you one more reason that you should share your faith and go on a mission trip. But before that, I want, to, I want to pray. So pray with me. Father, just thank you for the opportunity today to look into your face, to behold you, to be built up in you, in your word. And hopefully for all of us, Lord, to be a blessing to the place where we live and to the world as well. And Holy Spirit, I recognize without you the word is just letters. It's just words. So would you please open our hearts and empower the word with boldness and speak to us in a way. Meet each of us exactly where we're at and give us the things that we need to hear to keep taking that step toward Jesus, to keep pressing on in our walk with God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle John gloriously proclaims in his gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
You know, John writes a lot about love in his gospel, but also in his letters, three letters. If you will, open up to 1 John chapter 4. And John's letters are toward the back of the Bible. So if you start in the very back with Revelation and work your way left, you'll run through Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, and you'll come to 1 John, right after 1 and 2 Peter. So way in the back. And go to 1 John chapter 4. Because this gives us great insight to the third thing that I see as being important to change us from lukewarm Christians to Christians who are on fire for Christ, ready to share our faith and ready to go around the world. And look at verse 7, 1 John 4, verse 7. It starts off, beloved. I'm sorry, sometimes I can get stuck on words. That's why sometimes my 30-minute messages turn into, well longer. (laughs) Beloved. Don't you love to get a letter that says, beloved? My, My precious or, you know, sweetie pie, whatever it might be. But he says, beloved. It's kind of what God says to us when we open up his love letter. Did you know this is God's love letter to you? It is. And he calls you, if you're in Christ, he calls you beloved. Let us love one another beloved. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let me just stop right there because propitiation, that just throws you off, doesn't it? I mean, you're sitting here reading about love and all of a sudden there's a word like propitiation, all right? Let me give you Wayne Grudem's definition of the theological term propitiation. It is a sacrifice, Jesus being that sacrifice, a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the very end and in so doing, changes God's wrath toward us into favor. Uh, One of the words from that one song uh, where Jesus became, he took our wrath. Do you remember the line exactly what it was, Joshua? Uh, The wrath, oh, the wrath of God was satisfied. That's what Jesus did. That sacrifice satisfied God's justice and his wrath toward our sin. That's what propitiation means. Jesus is the sacrifice that turned you into an enemy, into a friend of God. That's propitiation, all right? Verse 11, beloved, oh, there's that word again. He just keeps using that. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then skip down to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. So God chooses to love us. He demonstrated that love by sending his only son who died in our place, became a propitiation, a sacrifice that turned us from enemies to God to friends of God. Because God has done that and filled us with that we are born again, he filled us with his spirit and his love So now, you really, if you have God's love inside of you, you can love others. 
Don't think of it this way, that God loves me, so I will love others. No, you won't. You're not capable. But if you have God's love in you, his love through you will love others. But that's why the channel always has to be open, you see. You can't just, oh, yeah, God, I, I recognize God's love uh, well, 40 years ago. And then you live your own life, and then all of a sudden you're thinking, I wonder why God's love isn't flowing through me. You haven't remained in it. You haven't abided in it. You haven't lived with it. It hasn't become that force that flows through you. But that's what the Scripture here is saying. So this is why love knows no borders, because God knows no borders, because God is love. And because God loves us, he sent his son into the world so that we might live in him and through him. And as the father loved us and sent his son to save us, all right, the son now sends us into the world to share the good news with others. Here's what John 20, 21, Jesus is speaking. He says, as the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. God loves us so that his love might flow through us to others. He sent his son, and now the son is sending us. Love is that third big key. We can become the evangelist God wants us to become. We can learn to begin to be intentional about sharing our faith if we'll pray and ask God to give us a passion for the lost. If we'll exercise faith and overcome our fears... You know, I'm 65, and at a certain point in time through my life, I kind of got to that point where it's like, am I going to live in fear the rest of my life? And I hope some of you youngins out there and some of you younger adults won't wait until a certain age to think, you know what, I'm going to stop being afraid. You never really stop being afraid, but if your faith is strong enough, you overcome your fears. All right? Yeah, all these great characters in the Bible, they, they had fears. They were afraid. But faith was so strong in them, it just, you know, rolled right over fear and went and did what God was calling them to do. Pray, have faith, and then love. There's no way you're going to go to your neighbors or coworkers or, or classmates if you're not filled up with God's love, because God's love is the only thing that should motivate us, and it's the only thing worthwhile sharing with other people. So if you haven't shared your faith recently, if you haven't told people about Jesus, you need to sit at his feet like Mary and just get filled up on love. Get filled up to the point that it just kind of overflows from your life. This is why we go to El Salvador or to our neighbor or, or co-worker or classmate the love of God compels us to go. It moves in us and through us and pushes us onward and outward. God's love is a mighty force that cannot be stopped. The good news of Jesus Christ cannot be contained. Let me read that one more time. All right, listen to this. This is why we go to El Salvador or to our neighbor or coworker or classmate. The love of God compels us to go. You don't have a choice. It pushes you. It gives you kind of like sometimes when you're, you're, you need to go this way in life and you're just kind of creeping up like an old man and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just kind of whoo, pushes you right along. That happens at times, right? <laughs> By the way, I'm doing that old man walk pretty good anymore. 
I get, I get better and better at that, you know, as time goes along. So this is why we go to El Salvador. The love of God compels us. It moves in us and through us. It pushes us onward and outward. God's love is a mighty force that cannot be stopped. The good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel cannot be contained. It's going to go forth. The only question is, are you willing to be one of those conduits that it goes forth through? Do you want the blessing of seeing that happen? I think all of us that went to El Salvador this year could speak to that and just say, yeah, we saw the Holy Spirit show up, and we offered our meek, small, insignificant vessel of our life, and God multiplied it and just grew it exponentially. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us, or another paraphrase says, or not paraphrase, but another rendering says compels For the love of Christ compels us because we've concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In other words, Jesus died that you might live. Jesus fulfilled the purposes of the Father that that you might imitate him and fill God's purposes for you. Do you see how when your eyes are on Jesus and you see what he's done and that he died and rendered your old man ineffective, that that sin still resides in your member, but that, that old sinful person is no longer in control. The Holy Spirit is in control, and we just have to abide and plug into the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. So exactly what does Jesus send us to do into the world? He sends us to be laborers in his harvest, and the harvest is people. Like Jesus said to Peter, I'll make you fishers of men. Stop fishing for fish. Start, stop harvesting grain. Let's, let's fish for people. Let's harvest for people. And how do we do that? Well, by preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God, and compassionately caring for people in need. Guess what we did in El Salvador? We preached the gospel. We taught the word of God and we cared for people that had needs. That's what we did. Listen to Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Why did Jesus teach? Why did he preach? Why did he heal? He loved people. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I've been praying that all morning. I really don't want you to remember what I have to say. I'd rather you just go out and be part of the harvest. That's what I want to see God accomplish. This is not a message to be listened to. It's a message to be applied and to act upon, as all of God's messages need to be. He has something for you to do, whether it's just change in attitude, habits, friends, why you're living, what's your purpose, what's your main pursuit. 
God cares about the intimate details of your life. He really wants to be a father. That's who he is. He's our father. So God calls us to go. It's a simple word. Two letters. Go. Christian life is a journey, and God determines the roads that we travel. Our job is to prepare for the journey and then to be ready to go whenever God calls us. So just a few questions. So where is God calling you? God will never answer that until you're willing to hear the answer and then act upon it. Am I right? If you're looking for God's will for your life, God's call in your life to know where to go, but yet in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, if I like what God says, I'll do it. But otherwise, I'm still just going to do my own thing. Why should God speak to you if you're not willing to follow? Will you be a faithful servant and go? Will you pray for God to send out others, and will you share God's love with the world? You know, love, God's love knows no borders. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the truth from your word. May it not just reside in our mind and be tossed out at a given point in time during the week, but may it make its way to our heart and may it become a fire that grows hotter and hotter. May your love compel us. May we sit and soak in your love. May you continue to pour it into us so that we will pray and we will overcome fears by faith and we will go when you call, Lord. We know, Lord, that's for our good and for your glory, which is our ultimate purpose in life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now I'm going to invite Joni to come up, but I have just something real quick I want to do before she comes up. Uh, while she's talking, we're going to run some pictures up on the screen so you can be listening and just seeing some pictures from our trip all at the same time. But uh, I had some pictures I just picked out this morning. This is uh, me with my host family. Uh, when we go there, we don't stay in a hotel or we don't stay in a big dorm altogether. The team goes into individual houses, and so it's just great to, to be able to develop uh, a relationship with another family there in El Salvador. This is one of our dentists, the doctors and dentists and people that helped with such a, a blessing at these clinics. This is one of the spiritual counselors just praying over a woman. I mean, this happened hundreds of times during the four days that we were out. I'm so touched by that. If you, you ought to look at this close up uh, later. It's, it's just precious that that woman is just seeking God and here's someone caring enough to pray. And I, I love this guy. He's one of the older guys from Miramonte Baptist Church that we partner with there, and he's one of the spiritual counselors. This guy leans up in his chair. He's sitting on the edge of his chair, and he's right there sharing Jesus just like this. I mean, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to watch. <laughs> I sat down with him one day. I said, show me how you share your faith. It's really interesting. <laughs> and it wasn't so much what he said. It was just his heart and the way he leans into loving this person and, and sharing God's love. Uh, this is uh, Miramonte Baptist Church. It's just the inside of their sanctuary. 
I guess they're like American churches. When the service starts, not many people are there, and then it's to sort of fill in. <laughs> but, here, but here's Joni. Is she singing and worshiping? No, she's hugging somebody. It's just her style, you know. And then uh, this is Oscar, who's uh, the leader from the church who goes with us. He's sort of Joni's counterpart with the Salvadorians that we join up and form a group of about I don't know, almost 70 people when you put it all together. This is one of the pastors of the village churches. Uh, These are some of the high school and college-age kids that are our translators. And uh, Paola right here that has the uh, birthday cake on her face, she was my translator. She just turned 16. This was her first time to go out into villages and to translate the gospel, and she did a fantastic job. And she was rewarded for it, too. She was the first one to get cake. So, (laughs) see, there's blessings. And then uh, this is John and John, father-son team. Every, every day, going home on the bus, and it's always about an hour and a half or two-hour ride back from this village to San Salvador, they would be sitting there and talking and crying with one another and praying with one another because God was doing such a fantastic work in younger John's heart. So, Joni, come on up. And as Joni comes up, uh, this is the last picture I'll show you. This is Joni in an apron. As soon as we get uh, on the bus at the airport, we go to this pupusa place. Pupusas are kind of like pancakes with meat or cheese in them. They're, they're really very good. And, and Joni, th- I mean, this is the servant leader that she is. She puts on an apron and a cap, and she begins to go around and just serve people. I think you had offered a job. Did you get offered a job yes. there? Yeah. But anyway, she decided to decline because the commute was just far too great. But, but anyway, would you give our leader a round of applause because she does a fantastic job. And besides leading us, she has to put up with Chris, who's sort of her assistant, and that's, that's not an easy job either. So anyway, you're, you're welcome, buddy. Yeah. Oh, yes. That would help. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I was doing okay until I started showing the pictures. The country of El Salvador has captured my heart. I was once one of those people, one of those believers who um, felt like evangelism was a spiritual gift, and it definitely was not my gift. And someone very lovingly and very gently reminded me that it wasn't a spiritual gift, it was a commandment, and that I don't get to pick and choose which commandments I get to follow in the Bible but that I'm called to follow them all. And um, it was at that time I began to wrestle with God about evangelism and what he was calling me to. And at first I just straight up told him, no, I wasn't going to do it. I didn't win there. Um, So I told him, okay, fine, I'll do it. So on the inside, I'm standing up, but on the outside, I'm sitting down. So that battle went on for about three months, and inside my heart was just in turmoil. And so after about three months, I finally said, God, that's fine. If you want me to evangelize, I'll do it, but I cannot do this on my own. I don't know how to do it, and I'm afraid to do it, but I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but you're going to have to do it through me. And I'll tell you something, I was petrified, but I went out. And he instilled in me such a passion and such a heart for people and such a love, and it has never, ever gone away. And my love for him 
And my father has replaced my fear. And whenever I get in a situation where my fear of rejection grips me, he reminds me they're not rejecting you, Joni. They're rejecting me, your father, the one who loves them more than you could ever love them. And he's changed my heart. And if you ever want to learn how to evangelize, whether it be lifestyle evangelism, whether it be street evangelism, grab somebody who has a heart and a passion for it. Jeff and Laura Cummings, Dennis and myself, Gary and Rhonda, Nancy and Rick and, Rick and Nancy, um, Deanna, you want to learn some, from somebody, get somebody who has a passion and they will teach you how to do it and they would be happy to do it. Um, Gary talked about being in a state of awe, and there's nothing more exciting than leading someone to Christ. And let me get something very straight. You don't lead someone to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that pricks their heart and brings them to Christ. But when it happens, you stand there in awe of what God has done right in front of you. And you stand there honored that he chose to use you to be a part of that. You talk about humbling. It is amazing. So that state of all, and, oh, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm, okay, I'll move on. Um, I'm going to run through the numbers for this year. It was a record-breaking year in a lot of departments. It was a busy, busy, hectic week, but I'll tell you, our God is a God of stamina, and he is a God who empowers and strengthens. This year in the dental department, we did 107 cleanings. A couple of those I did, and you wouldn't think that children had that much stain and tartar, Woo, but they do. Um, we did 57 fillings and 70 extractions. And a lot of that was in part because I have been praying. The dental equipment that we have down there is old, and it breaks down again and again and again. And I have been praying for the Lord to send somebody that could go with us that could keep the dental equipment running. And God sent me two guys this year that could do that. So thanks to Whitey and to Glenn, they kept the dental equipment running. So we were able to see twice the number of patients this year that we were able to see. So God is even faithful in answering prayers like, send me people to get the dental equipment running. Um, this year we saw 1,422 medical patients in four days. That's a lot. And, but God kept our doctors going. There were days they were on the edge. They were tired. They were hot. They were weary. But they kept going. It was amazing. We had 656 people getting provided with reading glasses. We passed out 4,268 prescriptions in four days. And we had 411 people profess faith in Christ. And that's the main purpose of the trip. And a friend of ours described the medical dental part of it so well. He said, this is the circus that brings the people in so they can hear the gospel of Christ. So the medical, the pharmacy, and the dental is important, but the gospel is the most important. 
I'm just going to share a few quick stories, and then the team's going to share some of the stories and the way God touched them. Um, one story I think of the most is on Monday, Peggy and I went out, and we knocked on what we thought was a house. And this young girl answers the door in perfect English, which always catches you off guard. And she said, oh, this isn't a home, it's a business. And me being social and nosy said, oh, cool, what kind of a business? What was a t-shirt business? So she invited us in, and we looked around, and she gave us t-shirts and asked where we were from, you know, what church were we working with. And her and her father were very familiar with Miramonte. And so we exchanged phone numbers, and my translator said, man, you'll exchange phone numbers with just about anybody. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I didn't think anything about it. Well, she texted me that night and said, hey, I love the way your team loves on Jesus. I would love to hook up with you this week, and my family would love to have your whole team over for dinner. I'm like, there's 20 of us. But it was really busy, so we couldn't hook up for dinner. But this girl that I'd met for, what, 15 minutes wanted to serve our, fa- our team dinner. So she hooked up with us on Thursday, and she went out evangelizing with me on Thursday. And we came across these three guys sitting on the curb. So I just sat down in the street and started evangelizing these three young men, 15, 19, and 27. And these three men came to Christ. And I explained how, but now your job is to go out and talk about this fate that you just came to. And they're like, okay. So we finished up, and my translator and I went on out, and Sylvia was with me, the young woman I'd met Monday. And so we went on out, evangelized some more, and we were coming back to the clinics early, and my translator said, well, I feel bad coming back early. I said, but if we stop and talk to another person, we're going to come back late, and I have a reputation for coming back late, and that kind of makes Chris angry, so I don't do that anymore. So it's concerned. concerned. Yeah, we've been in some really bad areas, and when I come back late, Chris is very concerned. And so as we're coming back, I see one of these young men that I had led to Christ, that God brought to Christ earlier, um, sitting there with two other young men with his Bible open, talking to them about Christ. I said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, hey, I'm telling my friends about what you were talking to me this morning. Can you tell them too? So I talked to these other two young men, and they came to Christ. This is what coming to Christ is all about. You turn around and tell your friends. And Sylvia was with me to witness all of this. And she said, my family's been praying that we're not being fed at our church and that we were asking, is God leading us someplace else? And this is the answer. And that Saturday that we left, she was at that church's youth group. And so God can use this team not only to evangelize and to bring people to Christ, but also answer other people's prayers, teach her how to evangelize. She was out evangelizing separately that day, not just with me, but how he can just move things around. And I've asked Deanna to come up and share, so she's going to share next. And then I asked you earlier. Oh, like right now. And so anybody else, after Deanna shares, if no, 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 you're Oh, okay. Um, So if anybody else wants to share, you can come on up after Deanna, and she won't call you out by name. Oh, she's got it written down. Okay. Like, I'm totally choosing faith over fear right now because I don't talk in front of people, and 
Okay, so I've been praying all morning. Lord, I have two stories, but I don't want to talk at all. And um, Pastor Gary's already confirmed, I'm going to cry, <laughs> that I have to share both. I'm going to try and get through this. So I've been on the trip a few times, and um, I tend, so far I've been on the evangelizing team. And every year, come that Monday, I cry. And my poor translators, they probably think this crazy gringo. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong. I just, I can't do this. I don't know what to say. Well, this year I was like, all right, Lord. I'm done. Like, I'm not doing this in my own power. I am not going to try and do this perfectly. Like, this is stupid. I'm done. Like, I'm just going to love on these people. That's that's what you called me to do. So this year, um, I finally decided, okay, I'm going. So I'm on the evangelizing team again. Come Monday, I'm a little nervous, but I'm okay. And I actually, I did fine. Like, I had so much joy and peace the whole entire week. And I just loved on the people. I spent like half hour with most of the people I talked to. And God is so good because almost every single person I talked to accepted Christ. And the translator and I were just like, we would keep looking at each other like, what is going on? This is just this is weird. Like God is just moving so big. And um, so we were just in total awe all week with that. And so I just have brought that home with me and just... Lord, like, help me to quit controlling so much of my life. Like, why am I sitting in the driver's seat when your plan is always better than my own? And so I struggled with that this morning also <laughs> with this. So the other story that Joni wanted to talk, me to talk about was my um, translator and I witnessed to a deaf man. We were in this town, and the guides told us we had to stay in a big group, and we go up to this little... Um, uh, store, and there's an older lady, and she's on the phone, and there's an old man, and he's sitting there, and I don't know what was said, it was all in Spanish, but he kind of got up and went and sat on this just stump, and then um, apparently he was deaf, so we start to walk, like the guides start walking, and they're like going away, and my translator turns around, and he's like, should we talk to him, should we try and talk to him, I'm like, well, we're here, we have to talk to him, right, I mean, we'll do something, so we actually would use a piece of paper, and we would just be, the man could speak back to us, so we would just keep confirming in Spanish, um, you know, that he understood what we were saying, and he was getting it, and we would just be like, we would look at each other and be like, he's, like, he's getting it, like, this is so cool. So afterwards, um, we prayed with him, and the translator and I were just really in awe. I think God changed our hearts maybe even more than that man's, but we were thinking, um, you know, this is, our, this were our, just our thoughts. Um, God's love doesn't have to have a language. He has his own language, and it can be spoken to anyone who really wants to listen. It's really ironic because the man was deaf, and yet he listened. So it's so perfect that we can't understand it reasonably because the Bible talks about the mystery and breaking down of walls between Jesus and the Gentiles, and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, Gentile world. Um, this mystery made known is Christ in you and among the hope of glory. God had already broke down the walls between us and that deaf man so that we could share the gospel, and that was just so encouraging to us, and we're still 
and total all of that. So that's um, my story. So now I'm just trying to keep, um, you know, am I listening? So I'm just kind of, those two things really hit me that week, and I'm trying to continue it here. All right, anybody else on the team want to come up? Because I have another sermon ready to go. I mean, <laughs> you just got to know how to motivate people. I, I, first of all, I want to just express heartfelt thanks to this church. You are a sending church. Uh, Paul writes that how can they believe if they have not heard? There are lots of things out there in the world that people can hear, and El Salvador is no different than Franklin, Indiana. There are lots of competing voices out in the world, but he's talking about hearing the gospel message, and he says, how can they believe if they've not heard? How can they hear if, if no one preaches? And that's what each member of the team feels obliged to do. We, we go with different job descriptions, if you will. We have people working in the pharmacy. We have people handing out eyeglasses. We have people doing triage. Each person has a different role that they're playing, but their main role is to preach, to t tell people about Jesus. So, um, so it says, how can they believe if they have not heard? How can they hear if no one would preach? And how can they preach if no one would send them? My heart is always touched by churches that place evangelism as a high priority. And you have. Um, you have sent whole families to help us pack medicines at uh, we begin packing medicines for this trip uh, July, is that right? June or July. Once a month we get together and we are in a dark basement and we pack pills. And <laughs> <laughs> but the love of Christ even shows itself in that situation and the love of, that your church had for this mission trip showed up uh, richly in that. So you are all senders and we appreciate that greatly. My challenge to you is beginning next June, you're all invited to come pack pills. That's, that's the very great way you can become a part of this, this mission field. And uh, like Gary said, I would challenge each of you to consider going on the trip next year. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, somebody else? I was one of the reluctant ones, very honestly. Um, let me tell you a little bit about our journey here, because this was a journey. Um, one of the things that I got the opportunity to do while we were there was to lead a devotion one morning. Each morning we started with a devotion before we started our hour and a half trip, or two hours, whatever it happened to be along the way. So one morning I was asked if I would lead the devotion, and I was drawn to the message that, like the disciples, we were asked to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And that's exactly what that whole team. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the team. 
Yeah, there were 20 of us. But guess what? There were three or four times that many down there that took up their cross and followed Jesus. Not only did they take up their cross and followed him, they sacrificed. We thought we were sacrificing, maybe with cold showers, maybe with no air conditioning, but they really sacrificed because they made sure we got where we needed to be. They were ahead of us. They were truly sacrificing. But each of them told me, this is not a sacrifice. This is what we're called to do. What we're called to do. The sacrifice is having to go out and work for a living and be away from family. But when the family gets an opportunity to serve, that's not a sacrifice. So I thought that was amazing. I really thought that was amazing. And the, the kids, the young adults, oh, man. If I had that much energy, You'd be dangerous. probably, probably. And if I had that much spirit and joy and passion for Christ, if you were to see that, you, you just can't explain it. But they do. They really do. And they want to serve, and they did. They really did. And the one thing that we found out, that 120 people, or whatever that number was, was one body. It was the body of Christ this week, that week. And so no matter whether you were working on a compressor, you were sharing the gospel, you were fitting eyeglasses, you were fixing lunch, whatever you were doing, you were a very important part of one body, the body of Jesus. And that's what this team extended, and you all are also, because the support, the care, the giving, all of that is being the body of Christ. Oh, yeah, that, that is one of those wonderful things when you go to a country where you speak two different languages and God brings you together and you just see that love knows no bounds. There's no borders. There's no bounds on God's love. So, Peggy? I'll probably have to hold the mic. It's exciting to be here in your church because you were a big part of, of the success of the mission. So thank you, everybody from this church. Um, God, if God wants you to do something, he'll find you. And he found Whitey and I in line at a funeral home um, in Morgantown, Indiana, and we talked with Rick and Nancy, and I happened to have seen pictures of their trip, past trips to El Salvador on Facebook. And so I'm ex I, it happened to be on my bucket list that um, to go someplace far, far away to people I don't know and can't understand their language um, um, to do something like this. And so we're talking, and... It wasn't on Whitey's bucket list. Let me just say that. So it was kind of shocking. And he, but God, um, anyway, that's how we learned about it. And we, um, well, Whitey, it, he was very moved by the whole thing. And um, 
So we're thankful that we did take that leap of faith and go. Um, I was one like Joni. Where did she go? There she is. I was one like her. I uh, Initially, I can't even imagine that she was ever like that. But to share the gospel with somebody, I was it was foreign to me. And I told some of the uh, team members that I've been raised in the church since I was an infant. And how can I not, how can I be afraid to do that? How can I not know how to do that? Um, I felt like my church had betrayed me to not empower me to be able to do that. Uh, But I can't blame it all on the church. It was me as well. Uh, And it's still not comfortable. But I don't think God wants us to be comfortable. I think he wants us to be uncomfortable. And he will give us the tools we need. And he he gave us tools for our toolbox on this trip by various team members, by watching. Deanna was the first one I went with. Um, I did not want to go by myself uh, the first time because I needed to see. I needed to to watch somebody else and so it just so happens the the house that we went to it was a old woman that probably I don't think she had eyes I mean at least I couldn't see that she had eyes and her son it looked like and then maybe a grandchild and that's where we went and I observed mostly uh, but I did get to pray with that family as we were done and it never it got easier, but it never got comfortable. And I don't think God wants us to be comfortable. Because if we get comfortable, then we think it's us. And it definitely was not um, us. One thing I learned that you don't talk louder. I started getting louder thinking that if I talk louder, they're going to understand what I'm saying. Guess what? No. No, so I would have to consciously turn it down, turn the volume down, because that is not so. Now, I liked what you said about that man that got right up and talked like that. You know, can you imagine if I didn't turn my volume down? It was a blessing to do this with my husband. It changed us. And... um, I hope Suzanne will come up because Suzanne has a story to share after she got home. Suzanne, I want you to share that about. Um, It changes us. And I just... uh, Okay, yeah. You want to just sit here? Or you want to come up? So I'll have to take my glasses off. Um, well, this wasn't on my bucket list, but I ran in some friends who I saw at the pharmacy and said, well, what are you doing the 1st of January? And I said, well, I don't know. You know. And they said, well, we need nurses to go on a mission trip. <laughs> So I said, well, let me think about it. And they gave me Joni's number. And 
So I called her and felt like God was telling me I needed to do that. And during the time, I think they blessed me the more than I blessed them. And when I got home, God was working with me. And I called my brother, who knew that there's a God, but I didn't know his relationship to God. And because I had went through the, the Romans road, I felt like I needed to, to talk to him. And I called him, and I said, you know, I was planning on going after church today to go see him because he lives towards Needham. And uh, so I told him, he said, well, can we talk about it now? And I said, no, can't talk to you on the telephone. I need to talk to you. I said, I'm not getting married or I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have cancer. You know, it's nothing that, but I need to talk to you. So he called on Friday morning and said, uh, well, I'll be over in 45 minutes. So he came over to my house. And I have prayed that morning that I could tell him the way the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I asked him, I said, you know, Bill, I said, where are you going to go when you die? And he says, well, I'm going to go to heaven. And I said, well, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? And he said, well, you know, I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I help people, you know, when they, I know they need things. And I said, well, that's, that's good, but that's not what the Bible says. So I opened and led him um, through the Roman road. And he really didn't commit himself. And so it was one of those things. I had a Bible for him. And I had gotten um, devotions that I get from another minister. And I gave him the devotions. And I asked him, I said, if nothing else, will you just start reading the Bible? Because how do you know what God says if you don't read his word? And so, hopefully, I continue to pray, and I would like the church to pray for him, that he will come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Maybe one more? We're going to have a closing song then. Yeah, Joni, come on. Um, first, I want to say God has a sense of humor. Um, Peggy and Whitey are from a church that my daughter goes to, but we didn't realize that at the time. But my daughter, her sister-in-law, and brother-in-law go to that church also. Well, Ruth talked to my daughter's sister-in-law, but Ruth thought she was talking to my daughter. Well, my, daughter, my daughter's sister-in-law had gone to the Dominican Republic. So she had talked to Angie and said, oh, that's really cool. I'd really like to go. So Ruth calls me thinking she's going to go to the Dominican Republic. So she is so excited and everything. Well, then she finds out she's not going to the Dominican Republic. She's going to El Salvador. So just God has a sense of humor and how he brings people around. There was a young man that I want to talk about that was on the video. His name is Everett. And two years ago, when we went to leave El Salvador, Everett had made the comment, your team amazes me. There isn't anybody your team will not talk to. 
because our team has gone into some very dangerous communities, um, some very gang-ridden communities. We've talked to some gang leaders that are now in prison. Um, I can't emphasize how dangerous some of these communities are, and we don't hesitate to talk to these people. And Everett had made a comment about that. And then um, there have been a number of kids killed on the public transportation just for their cell phones. One year before we went, there were two teenagers killed on the public bus for their cell phones. And um, after Everett had made that comment, he was held at gunpoint for his cell phone. And the man holding it, Everett at gunpoint asked him, why aren't you afraid for your life? You should be afraid for your life. And Everett said, because where I die, when I die, where I go, I will have peace because I'll be in heaven. And as Everett sat there with a gun pointed to his head, he presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this gunman's hand started to shake, and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I don't want to take your phone, but I have to because I can't go back empty-handed. But if you'll come back here in a half an hour, I'll bring your phone back. So the gunman took his phone and left. And Everett came back in a half an hour, but the gunman didn't come back. But to think you got a 16-year-old kid because what he's seen missionaries do, which we never would have told him to do that. But God gave him the courage and the peace and the faith to stand up to someone like that. And it will affect that gunman's life forever. Those words will be there forever. And I'll never look at that young man the same again. The courage that he had to share the gospel in a situation that could have, could have taken his life. Our presence there changes our translators. It changes the people that helps us too. God uses our presence to change them, and I'm grateful for that as well. Invite our worship team to come up. Let me just uh, give God praise for these testimonies. Lord, we, we realize that um, <laughs> great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. We give you all praise, Lord, for the things that were accomplished. We know that your spirit did them through us, that you grew us up, that people were saved, uh, that lives were changed. So I pray, Lord, that you'll just continue to, to build this team, the El Salvador team, but I also pray, Lord, in the families, churches, and communities that are represented here today that we will go out, that we will pray for people, and then we'll talk to people about God. That we'll both proclaim and demonstrate the good news of Jesus through our lives and our words. Now, Lord, help us just to, to worship you as we close and thank you for all the good gifts that you've given us through Christ. In his name, amen.